Welcome to Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam, along with Nick and Keith, and we came so close, but uh, Austin Matthews couldn't quite pull off the hat trick of hat tricks to uh, to start the season. But Nick, pretty encouraging start from the uh, the guy who makes the roster go round here. Yeah, I mean, especially after what for him was a a down year last year. I know it's kind of silly to call 40 goals a down year, but when you've got the the talent and and the pedigree that Austin Matthews has, and you see the things that he's already done through the first few years of his career, I I think the the start that he's got off to is extremely encouraging. Um, Just finding a way to dominate games and, and, you know, some really timely goals too. You look at the, the end of the season opener against Montreal, uh, the Leafs probably don't come away with two points if not for him in those final few minutes there. So yeah, great start. And, you know, hopefully a bit more contributions from the supporting cast to come here, but uh, he, he's definitely been leading the charge so far. Yeah. He just looks completely healthy, right? Like I think that's the thing yeah. that I'm, I'm really curious about is to what extent, he was dealing with, you know, wrist and hand stuff last year from from the surgery and kind of what you know what kind of treatment he was going under all year and, and all that kind of stuff because he just looks explosive right now. Like he looks like he can take over a game at any point, even away from shooting the puck, just the, like defensively and you know all facets of the game. But just looks healthy, explosive, recharged, all those things, and yeah, it's exciting. He's taken to the penalty kill pretty well in the early going, yeah. too. I, yeah. I don't think anyone was concerned about him being able to figure that out uh, in short order, but I, I've really liked him there so far. It's, you definitely feel like there's a, a bit of an offensive threat even down a man when it's him and Marner out there together. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's been a, a success through the earlier part of the season, too. So lots of good things from uh, the guy leading the way. Yeah, I mean just a threat out there every single time right like you know it's it's the nhl you're not going to score every night but he just looks like he could score every night And there's going to be long stretches where he does score every night and uh, it it was definitely feeling that way to uh to start the season a couple of hat tricks um yeah well on his way to getting past the 40 mark this year (laughs) yeah absolutely the uh the austin matthews anytime goal plus austin matthews two plus goals uh, nightly bet it's back on <laughs> it is back on um and i mean we, we gotta mention william nylander too because mm-hmm. my goodness yeah like, can you throw he, in any money on uh clean zone entries because my god when this guy gets the puck on his stick in transition like it, it's always been that way but holy smokes is he ever flying through the early part of the season video game mode right now yeah just yeah. again like kind of similar you know minus the injury stuff but kind of similar to to matthews like he just looks dangerous out there at all times and it's 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 probably not you know fair to to kind of rave over him like this too much in the sense that he he's always done this like this is you know he kind of goes quiet for stretches and everybody you know whatever that you know that that's been a part of his game but when he's on like this I mean, him, like you said, him kind of just when he starts circling around in the offensive zone and stuff, like you just know something's going to happen. Like he had a shift uh, the other day where like I think he almost scored three times and, you know, he's he looks like faster and bigger too this year somehow. He got back to the bench and smashed his stick over the (laughs) boards. Like that's something we're not used to seeing at a Neelander either. No, like, yeah, he just looks bigger and faster somehow too this year. Like he's just, I don't know. It's a, he, 
he's uh, he's going to get paid. That's that's for damn sure. Yeah, I was just going to say we don't need to do like you know the the contract thing every week, no, and we won't no. do it this week. But uh, yeah, it's not getting any cheaper. It would be nice to just uh, like it would be nice to watch a good William Nylander performance this year and not have to immediately start doing math. Like I I would like that to be the case, but unfortunately, it's, it's probably not going to be. <laughs> well, I have a sneaky feeling that that actually will be the case. <laughs> I've just I've got the vibe that it's going to drop one day, like the Morgan Riley extension did mm-hmm. uh, last year. Just kind of almost out of nowhere, it's done, taken care of early in the season. That's kind of the feeling that I'm starting to get with Nylander. But yeah, he's definitely going to get paid, especially you know, you mentioned the the cold stretches that have been prevalent throughout his career. I think that he's taken great strides to kind of limit those mm-hmm. cold stretches and. and you know, really kind of eliminate them from his game. I don't think those stretches are as abundant anymore, and they certainly don't seem to last as long as they did earlier in his career. He's he's a top 20 player in the NHL, in my opinion, and uh, I think he's he's definitely going to get paid like one, and it should be the Leafs that pay him. Yeah, get it done. I mean, I, I I would love that. I would love if we just get get a news drop at some point in the next few weeks, but at this point, I'm almost kind of expecting them to wait until we have a little bit more of a kind of firm idea what the cap is yeah. going to look like. So I'm kind of expecting to drag into 2024, but uh, who I would... Yeah, I'd be over the moon. Uh, get it done. He's not getting any cheaper, no. right? So, no, like- exactly. <laughs> so a little bit of a lineup shifting here we're recording on uh, Wednesday evening ahead of the Florida road trip and um, some movement uh, Matthew Nye's moving up in the lineup I guess is kind of one of the uh, uh, the key things that we'll probably want to touch on here um, I mean you know he, he hasn't had a, a ton of ice and you know it hasn't been maybe quite what uh, what he looked like in the preseason but I, I still really liked you know Nyes on the four check and, and kind of getting in the mix well you're still seeing all those flashes that you know we saw from him in his uh, abbreviated stint to end last season he's just really strong on the boards he's almost always going to win that contested puck battle and make a play coming off the wall with it um, but he's just gotten kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think Sheldon Keefe kind of mentioned it that he's actually, you know, lost him a couple of times throughout the game while just trying to kind of monitor what he's doing with the Minton line. And the the chemistry that those two displayed in the preseason, I, I think, you know, it hasn't come to fruition quite the same way through the early part of the regular season. And, you know, it, it might have looked good on paper, but in practice when you're you're running those two young guys out there together i think even subconsciously as a coach you know you, you might have some reservations about some of the situations that you're putting them in and on the other side of it you're also asking a lot out of two guys at you know with their level of experience to to kind of make things happen for one another so I think, you know, Matthew Nyes has more to offer and I, I like the move to to bump him up the lineup and, you know, just kind of take a little bit of that workload off of his plate to make things happen for another rookie. He can kind of be the third guy on that line with Tavares and Nylander instead of, you know, kind of being the guy on the, on the Minton line. And I also kind of like what it does for Minton as well. You know, Max Domi's had a bit of a rough start so far, but I think we all know he's a capable offensive contributor. And Yaron Kroc just kind of can be a bit of a glue guy on that line who does a bit of everything and you know provides that responsible uh, defensive posture uh, for the unit. So I'm excited to see you know how these lines shake out uh, on Thursday night against Florida. 
And yeah, I think Matthew Nye is, is primed to you know start producing offensively. Yeah, I've seen a few few occasions where he's made some really good plays along the boards and got it to um, you know to Minton who maybe wasn't able to finish or to get the you know get it to the net or anything like that. So getting him with two elite offensive players, like you said, there, there's more to give. Um, with, with nice so um I'm, I'm excited to see it. i think this is the lineup that's made the most sense with the yeah. construction of the team since preseason obviously you try to ride like you said the the preseason chemistry that that him and minton had but uh, you know in, in putting together the best 12 forwards where you know combination of 12 of of lines with the 12 forwards you have this seems to be to me what makes the most sense and like you said about i mean domi hasn't really gotten going yet and i think even when domi is going you know defensive play is probably going to always be something that he struggles at a little bit so you know with yarn coke's uh you know defensive ability and even, and even Minton, Minton, for, for, for you know for a 19 year old um you know and like we were saying before we we went live here like even not for a 19 year old even just for a player in the league Minton's you know defensive game has looked good so i think that's going to help domi out a little bit um, and maybe get him going. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited to see Nyes' board work and forecheck with two other guys that can then pick the puck up and make something happen with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about it a little bit in our season preview saying, you know, I, I expect that Nyes is going to be pretty much a fixture mm-hmm. in, in the top six, even though, you know, going into the season, he was on the third line. And, and here we are, you know, after three games and it looks like he's going to get that uh, that look. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we want to see. Right. That's uh you know, we see the frame, you see the tools, and it's it's coming together. So I'm I'm excited to see how he uh, fits in. You know, with those guys on kind of hopefully mm-hmm. an extended look. You know, versus like getting some time down the stretch and into the playoffs when uh, you know you, you can't really tinker so much and, and can't really you know find that kind of chemistry. It's nice to kind of see him get the uh, uh, get the reps. It's a good point. I would like to, I would like to see Keith put the blender away for the next five games and just give this this 12 a look yeah exactly and even extend that into the, even extend that into the the d i think the change of putting mccabe and lilligren together again just makes sense i we, i think we mentioned this on the on the either yeah on the pre the preseason show but like it doesn't really it never really made sense on paper to me to have uh mccabe and lilligren or i'm sorry mccabe and klingberg together like both of them are prone to be a little bit adventurous on the ice and maybe get a little bit out of position. And I just think it makes a little bit more sense to have McCabe with Lilligren and, um, you know, let, let Klingberg move around on the third pair and maybe be against some on five on five, some lesser competition with Gio as playing the kind of stay at home role. Um, again, on paper it all, it all seems to kind of check out. So I'd like to see them run with this set up for, you know, more than, two periods or something before he pulls out the blender. Yeah. Speaking of McCabe, I think like even when he's at his best, he's got some of that, uh, you know, adventurousness mm-hmm. to his game. He, he's not scared to kind of go out of his way to, to make that big hit. And even some of his uh, decisions in the offensive zone, just kind of pinching down the wall and yeah. t- trying to go down deep to he's aggressive in all, he, in all he, facets. Yeah, definitely aggressive in nature. But he has not been even close to at his best in the early part of the season. I don't know how much of that has to do with the, the being on the pairing with Klingberg and just you know them not meshing together. But I think if the Leafs are going to go anywhere this season, Jake McCabe has to be a lot better, and I think he's capable of being a lot better. It just it almost feels like he's he's trying to make too much happen right now. He just needs to kind of stay within himself and let the game come to him. 
focus on his strengths. Be that shutdown guy. Be physical along the boards. Move the puck up quickly. You don't need to be trying to make too much happen. You've got Morgan Riley and John Klingberg on the back end who are going to be chipping in with the offense from back there. So I think if McCabe is able to just kind of get his feet back under him, start playing within himself, uh, it'll go a long way to kind of rectifying some of the issues that the team has had, but there's no question that he's got to be better. And that'll be an adjustment, right? I mean, that's that's a guy who has played on dog shit teams his yeah. entire career and had to play above his level and, tr- and, and probably you know, take yeah. some risks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a little bit of that in his game anyway. Like, I, I kind of had the thought coming into this season, like, you know, obviously we were excited about the acquisition, like the acquisition cost, the cap hit, um, but like he's got a little bit of that uh, in his game where he could end up the donkey. Like, you know, he, he could he could be the new Ackieberg, the new Justin Hall uh, <laughs> some nights I felt coming into yeah. the season. Well, when he drifted over onto the right side there on that, on that, uh, power it was a penalty kill oh, the, i think the, the, yeah yeah that was that's that's a perfect example of it. it it was it was a bit of miscommunication between mccabe and nyes on that play i think definitely looked bad for mccabe just kind of drifting away from the oncoming attacker but nyes also kind of lost his man uh, on the weak side there so right. i think there was plenty of blame to go around but yeah I, I think there's been more than one goal against where you could probably point to uh mccabe and say that he could have played it better yeah and that's you know going to be the nature when guys getting um you know, tough minutes like like they're going to rely on McCabe for, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be an adjustment for him going forward. Um, you mentioned Klingberg, uh, kind of naturally gives way to a power play discussion. Um, looking pretty good. Oh, he's been full value on the power play so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's hard to imagine that you know you're taking a power play that was second best in the league last year and you're going to fuck with it, but it, it looks better. Like they've been, what are they clipping at through the first three games? Something around like 40%. Yeah, it's around 40. And uh, obviously not sustainable. But the thing is when they've been out there, every time it feels like they're capable of scoring. And there is just like a different threat on the back end with Klingberg there. He moves the puck a lot quicker. He can shoot it. You know, you, you, you see the opposing penalty killers they're not just kind of selling out to the flanks like they that's exactly they, it yeah. yeah yeah it was so it was a little bit one-dimensional even as good as it was last year they knew that riley wasn't shooting so even just the, yeah. the threat that klingberg might let one go at the top is it, it's keeping people a little bit higher and they're not just kind of sinking into the you know into the net and like that assist that he had on the the first kneelander goal of the season yeah. on the on the power play against montreal that the one-timer Like he gets that puck at the point and he opens up on his forehand just long enough and just enough to make the other team think that he is going to shoot it and is able to just kind of almost no look it over to Nylander. It's it's just, it's a high end skill that got them to freeze just a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just long enough that it frees up that passing lane, that shooting lane gives uh, Willie a little more time to get the shot off and it holds the goaltender for a split second too. So just little things like that, that, you know, might not be super obvious to the naked eye. Like when you're watching it back and you, you just, you see the way that he's able to help generate offense from the back end. Uh, yeah, he, he's been full marks there through the early part of the season. I think um, it's just a, a matter of kind of limiting you know, the the chances that he's going to give up at even strength. And I think, you know, as you said, Cam, knocking him down to, to play with Gio, who's a, a guy who is, is a lot more risk averse than McCabe is. I would, I think that's fair to say. 
uh, I think that's going to be a good fit for him. And then you can just kind of load him up with those. He's going to get his ice time with the power play anyway, uh, because that first unit stays out there for, you know, practically the entire two minutes if they don't score most times. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have no problem with kind of trying to shelter Klingberg a little bit while also trying to find a better mix for uh, McCabe by playing him with Lilligren, who, who I think has been really good through the first three games, aside from, you know, that one major gaffe uh, in the first game there. Yeah. Uh, 40%. Yeah. On the nose for the, the power play tied for first in the league um i i mean that's that's kind of the thing with klingberg and that's kind of the the mea culpa i kind of have to offer on klingberg a little bit right is is like you know the the I made the Barry comparison as many of us did, but like the difference between like Tyson Barry and John Klingberg is, is like, you know, Barry's a very good all around offensive defenseman, but like he, he doesn't have like that elite 1% type of skill or ability that, that Klingberg has displayed in his career. Right. And you see the numbers deteriorate over the years and you, you kind of assume that, you know, the whole game ha- has gone down, but man, he can still, he's snapping it around it. out there. Yeah he's got the mind for it. Yeah. Well, I mean like even some of the stretch passes that he's made, like that haven't resulted in goals directly. He, he like his puck moving has been, has been a bright spot. No question about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, speaking of the defense though, we should probably give a, a bit of credit to to Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. I know Brody had the, the awful gaff on the, the yeah. first goal against, against Montreal where he just kind of got tied up at the blue line and fell over, blew a tire. I mean, if that shit's going to happen. I don't think that's like a repeatable not, kind yeah, of Yeah, it's not an indictment on, the game, on his game or anything. It's yeah, just that, that's freak. just like a, yeah. a, f- a fluke play. It's not like uh, something that has become a trend, like, you know, maybe McCabe being a little bit too risky in some of his decision-making or something. So I, I think the, the top pairing, like, together, Riley and Brody have looked really, really good. And I think the most encouraging thing with Riley in particular is he's been, like, quietly good. I don't think you're seeing him just flying all over the ice, dashing up and down the the, the rink and just kind of like flying up the weak side like we're so used to seeing him do. But he's still moving the puck efficiently. He's been really solid defensively. He had that one play on the uh, the Aaron goal. Keith, I know we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Like th- he's defending the oncoming rush, like seals the wall off perfectly, gets a body on the, the puck carrier, separates him from it. And the next thing, they're moving up ice. He gets control in the offensive zone, makes a nice play, gets the puck to Yarncroft in a prime scoring area, and he buries it. Like that is just it's elite stuff. And if you're getting that from Morgan Riley without the the mind numbing defensive gaffes, like you're in really good shape. And I think Riley just kind of looks like the same player that we saw in the playoffs last That's year. That's what it is. He's <laughs> carried he's carried that over. Yeah. Which I think when we were watching him in the playoffs, that was kind of the. the what was going through my head is like, man, with like, if you get this Riley yeah, all the yeah. time, yeah, that like, makes that, that contract a, look phenomenal. Oh yeah. I think the contract looks good Already anyway, does, but a hundred percent Keith, if you're going to get playoff Morgan Riley on a, even a semi consistent basis in the regular season, you're, uh, you're laughing at that seven and a half million dollar cap hit. Yeah. Look, and, and it just yeah. looks a bit more physical too, uh, you know, in, in uh, this yeah. year, I think like, everyone looks a little more physical to be honest with you. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Matthews on the forecheck seems to be like not just like he you looks know, like going, he has intent. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not just like you've seen him. He, he'd always get two, you know, two to four hits a night. But it was more like you know he's kind of sealing the guy off, and he'll he'll lean into him enough that they make contact at the wall. But there's a bit more like I'm gonna kind of put you through the wall right now. Like he's he's 
following he through looks like he's trying to impart yeah. well a little bit more. exactly yeah. yeah no it's it's definitely spreading through the lineup and i mean obviously it's a directive you can tell by you know the, the personnel that they went out and got i'm sure they've talked about it wanting to be a team that pushes you know instead of having to push back all the time like they they want to be on the the aggressor how much of that do you think is player driven you know now yeah. that they've they've continued to build up the you know the playoff scares and they got a little bit further last year and you know to a man you ask every player uh, about you know what that loss to florida meant to them and you know, they're all talking about you know they they learned over the years how hard it was to get through one round and i think last year was kind of an awakening to how much harder it gets as they continue to go along yeah. and just how physical things get as as the playoffs continue so i wonder how much of that you know physicality and and added snot and whatever is player driven but yeah there's no question that uh, some of the the personnel that they brought in in the off season is definitely driving that uh, one guy in particular perhaps yeah yeah uh well let's let's go there because um i mean ryan reeves like almost to the point i was making earlier about klingberg versus barry like you know, if, if you got a guy who's, you know, a detriment to your team in a lot of areas, he's got to have that 1% skill. And Ryan Reeves is a <laughs> 1% shit disturber. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, as I'm kind of learning, as you see the way that the media scrums have gone through the first three games, just the perfect ball of yarn to toss to the Toronto media yes. who are so easily distracted, but also like would, would love you know, a quote. Yes. So, I mean, from that perspective, I've loved it. He's acted as a bit of a shield, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's just been obviously a lot of back and forth on, you know, the discourse around Ryan Reeves and looking at numbers (laughs) and looking at his actual impact and arguing this and that. And like, you know what? Like, who cares? Like, I I don't like that's entertaining. (laughs) Like, can't we just agree that, yes, he's probably not a very good hockey player. And I can guarantee you the people that are you know, as pro Ryan Reeves on the Maple Leafs and it's pumped up about having him. I don't think any of them are sitting there going that thinking that he's actually, you know, winning his minutes and playing well. <laughs> like that's not what it's about. It's, it's, an, it's entertaining to watch. Let them have it. Like it's, it's not, I don't know. It's not the end of the world. When you play, you know, this team is designed that the top two lines are going to play a lot. They're yeah. never going to have a fourth line that plays, you know, more than, 10 minutes at the very most and they're probably going to play closer to eight seven whatever in close games in that small of a window an upgrade on ryan reeves to maybe a bobby mccann or something that is probably a better player or definitely a better player like i don't know how much more value you're going to extract out of the team and how many more wins are going to be worth having yeah. that him play for six or seven minutes whereas you just let ryan reeves go out and who knows like i've seen a lot of eye rolling about you know guys coming out and saying that you know the that the 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 fear that he imposes in the other team and they're going to think twice about i i don't i have my doubts on that kind of stuff but like at the end of the day it's entertaining there wasn't going to be a whole lot to look forward to this regular season anyways to get back to the playoffs i'm i I just i don't know there's not much point in having this argument just enjoy him running guys through the boards and you know being a big bully out there well i will say this and i say it as someone who was very much not a fan uh, of the signing when it occurred and you know i obviously still don't love the contract and and things like that but when you're talking about you know each player having a job to do or having a specific role to fill he's done his job and filled his role just about as well as you could have 
asked for through the first three games anyway. And I think there, there's a handful of other guys on the team who you could not say that about so far. Uh, one of them being his line mate in David Camp. And I, I think that's kind of a, a convoluted discussion because I think it's hard for David Camp to, to do the job that he's done for this team the last couple of years while he's playing with Ryan Reeves. So that kind of comes down to sort of the, the fit in the lineup and just how much sense it, it made from a, a roster perspective. But that's a, a, a topic for another day. We can get into that a little more when the sample size is larger. But, you know, through three games, Ryan Reeves has brought everything that they've signed him for. He's He's been, a you know, a, a, a physical presence to say the least. Uh, a couple of big hits. Not scared to drop the gloves. I don't know when the – I don't remember the last time that we had a Leaf who got in a fight in his first two games in Toronto. Um, and, and I think he's he's also served as kind of like a, an off-ice shield too, uh, as you were kind of getting to there, Cameron. Just the way that a, a lot of the media attention is going to him. And I, I don't know if that was not part of the thought process when bringing him in. He's a big personality. That was a, a lot of the – the talk when he was brought in was, you know, he even said it himself. He had heard the, the dressing room was quiet. It wasn't going to be quiet anymore. And this is a guy who's, he knows what he is. He's very comfortable in his own skin. He's not scared to answer to the media or give them a good quote. And it's going to kind of keep the flies off the, the rest of the team when, you know, when things aren't going the way that they would like, perhaps. So, yeah, again, didn't love the Reeves signing, but, you know, through three games so far this season, I think he's done everything that the team could hope for. Yeah, I mean, like, you're going to get to a point where, like, he, he's not going to be able to be in the lineup every night, but, like, it's early in the season. You're trying to establish, you know, what you're all about. And, like, we, we talked about it, like, it seems like the, you know, the the rest of the guys are kind of amping up the, the physical play a little bit. And we, we've been talking for years about how, you know, these guys at the top of the roster need a bit of an attitude shift if they're going to get anywhere. And it feels like this is the closest thing we've had to that over the years. And I, we can't know how much of it is Ryan Reeves and how much of it is not. But uh, this is a guy who you know, teams went out, traded first round picks for, brought in to go on long playoff runs. It's like maybe maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's just and a little something there. Ryan Reeves has played an awful lot of playoff hockey games in the last few years. You know, for all the talk of him being someone who shouldn't be in the lineup when that time of year rolls around. He's he, he's got more than uh, his share of playoff experience the, the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that discussion will continue through the year um we, you know we'll, we'll see how they continue to use him I'm, I'm sure that the time will come probably sooner than later that he's going to start you know subbing out and yeah I, I i don't have a whole lot of uh complaint thus far no gregor looks good too just a real brief on him i i've i've liked him on the fourth line yeah good shot fast physical kind of pr- your prototypical fourth liner you know if it's not going to be a ryan reeves and you you want to you know design another guy that you would uh like to see on the fourth line and do the things that fourth liners do. Like, I think it's basically like we said before with, with yeah. Lafferty going to Vancouver, he, he pretty much fits that mold. And, um, I think maybe with a little bit of a, you know, a better, better shot or at least a better release, um, so far, but I've liked him a lot. That puck is coming off his stick. Like, I don't know. It's super deceptive. Like he hasn't had a ton of shots. It's so hand, far and, since it's, the, and it's handcuffed goalies though. Every time he has got it through, like it's, it's hitting, yeah. it's hitting them in the way that, you know, 
difficult shots too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you see the way he's shooting the puck, and you know, it, it doesn't come as much of a surprise that he potted ten goals in what fifty some games for the Sharks last year. Yeah. He, obviously, with a greater opportunity than he's probably going to get at any point in Toronto this season. But yeah, he's another guy who's been full marks for for what they brought him in for. Yeah, yeah, I've liked him. So we talked plenty about uh, Fraser Minton last week uh, in our season preview podcast. And, uh, you know, there's lots of talk about him. There will continue to be until he reaches that uh, nine games played threshold. So we'll we'll table our discussion until uh, maybe next week and we'll kind of see how, how things are going at that point. But um, wanted to talk a little bit of prospect stuff nonetheless, uh, not guys who are actually in the lineup at the moment. But Nick, you wrote about um, Arthur Akdiamov for your latest prospect roundup. And uh, I mean, th- this goes back to last year, but like he has really carried it into this season and is putting up some crazy numbers in Russia. Yeah, well, like you said, his numbers last year were crazy. Uh, he actually led the VHL in save percentage with, I, th- I think it was like 943 or 944 by the end of the season. Uh, I was kind of waiting all season for the dip to come because you just don't expect a, a goaltender to, su- to uh, sustain numbers like that. But it, it never came. Um, you know, the VHL being kind of like the almost like an AHL equivalent to to the uh, KHL over in Russia. So you know, even as a, a twenty or twenty one year old netminder, for him to lead the league and save percentage there last year was was a huge feather in his cap, and it, it led to him earning his entry level contract with the Leafs over the summer. But with, you know, there's a very crowded goaltending depth chart in Toronto, not just guys that are on NHL deals, but you've got guys on AHL contracts like Dryden McKay and Luke Cavillan. You know, that's before you even mentioned the guys like uh, Dennis Hildeby and Slava Pexa, who is also a young Russian draft pick who's beginning his North American career this year. So rather than, you know, keeping Oktyamov over here and having him in that battle for playing time, they opted to loan him back out to Russia and he was once again assigned to the VHL to start the year, but there's been some injuries in, uh, in the crease for his KHL club, uh, Kazan. And it, it's necessitated having him start some games and, uh, he's certainly taken the ball and run with it. Uh, thus far, I think he's up to around like a nine thirty seven save percentage through 11 games. Uh, he had one start, uh, a couple weekends ago where he stopped 46 of 47 shots, followed that up with uh, his first career KHL shutout. I believe he stopped 35 shots in that one. So he's just been, you know, continued to be spectacular, really carried his play from the, the VHL last year over to the, to the, you know, arguably the second best hockey league in the world in the KHL this year. So uh, definitely encouraging signs thus far. Um Obviously, you never know with goaltenders, and you definitely want to see him sustain that kind of performance at Russia's top level over a larger sample size. But uh, he's done everything he can to to earn that opportunity to uh, to continue getting games once Kazan's goaltenders are healthy again. But uh, yeah, definitely putting himself in a good spot and someone to keep an eye on in the next year or two because uh, gaining experience at the KHL level it's it's a little it's a little bit ahead of even you know a guy excelling at the American Hockey League level. So Oktyamov is a guy who could come over and kind of find himself in the mix uh, at, in that 
third goaltender conversation pretty quickly uh, when he does come over. Yeah, we'll be watching with great interest on that one. Uh, those numbers are crazy. I'd love it if we got one of those freak good Russian goaltenders out of nowhere. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. I, I may have gotten a little bit ahead of myself as I started kind of looking back <laughs> at uh, what guys like Igor Shesterkin and Ilya Sorokin were able to do and, and, in the, and in the <laughs> KHL at the same age. And um, Again, getting ahead of myself here, very similar. So, uh, <laughs> again, you got to see it over a, a bit of a larger sample size, and there, there's a, a, a long runway left for Oktyamov to either succeed or, or fail in becoming a quality NHL netminder. But, you know, all the indicators thus far are very, very encouraging. That's great. Uh, any other prospects standing out to you, Nick, uh, in the early going here from the prospect pool? Did you guys see the Easton Cowan fight? Hmm. Yeah, I, I implore I everyone listening if you haven't uh, seen it. Go, uh, it, I uh, I put it into my uh, prospect roundup from last week. So head over to theleafsnation.com and you can find it there if you haven't seen it. But he's been uh, he's been tearing it up offensively ever since getting sent back to London. Obviously, full of confidence going back to junior, uh, and he should be full of confidence with uh, what he showed in his first NHL training camp. But he's uh, he's really hit the ground running there and formed a nice duo with uh, Flyers prospect Denver Barkey. Shout out Leo here. Um, mm. They've they've been uh, they've been really dangerous so far. Not only at even strength, but they're making stuff happen on the penalty kill as well. Just uh, he Easton Kylan's just continued to to excel ever since uh, you know the time that he was drafted last summer into development camp and rookie camp and the the prospects tournament in Traverse City all the way into NHL camp and carrying it back to junior. So definitely exciting there. Um, Nikita Grabyankin continues to, to put up numbers in the KHL, building off of his Rookie of the Year campaign last year. So, I mean, the uh, the blue chippers might not be there in abundance uh, in the Leafs prospect pool, but there's a, a lot of encouraging depth in there for sure. All right. Good stuff. You guys want to remember Leaf? Hell yeah. Absolutely. You guys remember Nathan Parrott? <laughs> Nathan Parrott. I do very vaguely. Like, did he? I ever, was just going to say, did I just come up with a leaf you don't remember? Dream, I, I, <laughs> no, he was, was he like uh, like number twenty six or some shit. I I don't know. I don't remember his number, but he would have been in that like right around the lockout era, right? Like, yeah, because oh three oh four forty games. He was number twenty six. I just googled him. That's so, yeah, yeah. I didn't remember. Um, Man, if I had the space in my brain to remember other shit. (laughs) He played for the St. John's Maple Leafs, and that's why I would remember him more playing against the St. John Flames uh, in the the old AHL Canadian division with the Hamilton Bulldogs and whoever else was in, in it at that point. But yeah, that was... That's that's mainly where I remember him from. He must not have had much in the NHL, did he? Like par- forty games with the Leafs in oh three oh four, and I mean overall eighty nine in total. Um, most of those were with the Leafs. Uh, had another three the year after the lockout oh five oh six. I-, I remember him from the year before the lockout and just being like a spark plug. Like he was mm-hmm. the the kind of guy whose legs just never stopped pumping when he was out there. You know, just looking. He was tough looking at the. Uh, the St. John's Maple Leafs roster from 2002-2003. Got a young, young Alex Ponikarovsky. <laughs> Nathan Dempsey there on there. Brad Boys. Um, uh, another another note here on Nathan Parrott. Uh, when I went to Google him earlier, the autocomplete on Google said Canadian boxer. 
So did he get into I, like an amateur box career? Yeah, it looks like <laughs> looks like that's where he went right after he uh, retired. It looks like uh, if you go to his Wikipedia page, that's where I'm getting this. But uh, <laughs> apparently, he he retired on September fifth, two thousand nine, and then won his debut <laughs> boxing bout on September eleventh, two thousand. Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> uh, yeah, six days later. Yeah, Nick, no, no, uh, no, Nathan Dempsey on this team, but. Former or uh, remember a leaf alumnus Harold Drukin was, uh, was on that team. So there you go. Two weeks in a row with Harold Drukin content. That, that, I think we can stake a claim as the only podcast in the world to to have be able to say that. So that's probably true. All right, Nathan Parrot, one for the books. I almost got you, Nick. You almost got me. Almost got me. <laughs> Right. See, the good thing is I like I can fake remember these guys, but I felt like I had to prove myself there with the numbers. So <laughs> I, I, I got to say that that felt good when I when I Googled it and it came up a picture of Nathan Parrott in a 26 Leafs jersey. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I, I thought it would be nice if we did a mailbag. We haven't done one in a long time. It's been a minute. Um, mm. You know, we had we had a long stretch over the summer where we were off. You know, we didn't react to a bunch of stuff. So, um, you know, if there's any lingering questions, would love to hear from you. Would love to get a little uh, mailbag content for next week, uh, so you can send us a tweet. I guess we'll drop a thread on Twitter and uh, collect them there. We're on Blue Sky. We've got like invites. Yeah. I've got I have like five codes. So if, if we <laughs> yeah, have anyone who's who's listening, who's like, I want to get on Blue Sky, drop us a line. We can we can hook you up. We can make that happen. Get our listeners onto the platform. That's the the lamenting the Leafs promise to our listeners is we'll hook you up on Blue Sky <laughs> until we run out. Migrate everyone off of the uh, the Nazi site. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll 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 pretty much wrap it up there, Keith. Um, I, I don't know if if you'll see me, but I will see you on Friday. Yeah, we'll make that work. I I figure like it'll be a a pretty early show for those not uh, no don't know what the hell we're talking about. I'm headed to Halifax this weekend. I'm headed to Halifax this weekend. I'm playing with uh, with with Loviet, the the band that I've been playing with all summer, and uh, we're opening for the Beaches at. Um, I don't even know the name of the venue. Big venue. The Lighthouse Hilarious. Arts Center. New, I knew it was like a new, like, whatever, like, multi-purpose room in, in Halifax. I haven't been yeah. there yet. But, um, yeah. So, uh, I think, I think, I, mean, I feel like the show will be over by, like, I don't know, like 10 o'clock or something. We'll... We'll go, uh, we'll go have a beer. He's such a rock star now that he needs like the stage manager whispering in his ear what venue he's playing when he's walking out on stage. Well, no, it's because it's new. I just don't even know. Like, I, I, I was going to call it. I was going to say I, Art or uh, Art House Light Center. That was like, that doesn't sound right. So Lighthouse Art Center. There we go. Um, I was there just one time. I actually saw the beaches last year. Oh, right. or I guess it was February. And um, I mean, it was it was still fairly new at that point. It wasn't my kind of favorite experience as a venue, but uh, I'm sure they've changed some things. So I'm looking forward to the show. The beaches fucking rule. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It was a great show. And, and yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're playing uh, Friday night in Halifax and then we go to Moncton uh on saturday night um so yeah it should be a fun weekend i'm looking forward to it it's kind of creeped up on me it's one of those things that i felt like it was really far away for a long time and now it's in like three days so yeah we'll see you there well hell yeah i'll I'll let you off the hook this time then for for only informing me on the podcast that you're coming to the province so (laughs) next time i want a little more heads up (laughs) 
Fair enough. Yeah, Nick will plan one of his very frequent Halifax trips around uh, <laughs> around your schedule next time. Isn't that right, Nick? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, I, I'm well traveled. I get out a lot and don't have anything keeping me at home. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I wish some of that were true. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll fire up a little lamenting the least kind of uh intermission show between loviat and the beach i mean at the very least we'll, we'll get on stage we'll get a fucking facebook or for an instagram picture to put up or something for under for the for the <laughs> instagram account yeah. at the very least oh yeah follow us on instagram too. <laughs> <laughs> keith you'll log on to instagram and it'll just be a bunch of videos on our story of me just zooming in on you while you're playing bass <laughs> Just, <laughs> just those really uncomfortable shaky zooms that should never be that close on a phone <laughs> yeah perfect yeah. <laughs> all right fellas we'll do it again next week all right see all you right. guys cheers boys later